Good morning, church. Let's, uh, let's pray. Let's go to God and uh, have him prepare us. Dear Lord, you are mighty. You are strong. You are faithful. You are our savior and deliverer. There's nothing that you cannot do. Lord, be with us today. Help us in this time that we have together to see you more clearly, to want to live for you, and to want to honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are any of you planners? I'm not a planner, so that's not my gifting. I'm not like the administrative guy. I'm the really big picture guy. You know, even the bullet points you'll see, you'll see three bullet points. Um, you won't see all the little detail. But even though I'm not a big planner myself, I have an appreciation for expertly put together exquisite plans and being able to see those, see those just go out. It's really great to see when a plan gets executed well. I also happen to like movies, in particular comic book movies. I grew up reading comic books, Spider-Man, uh, X-Men, like comics. So for me, the Marvel movies have been a real treat because in the Marvel movies, over the past decade, they've released about 20 movies, and these movies create a single storyline. And in each one, you see them kind of planting seeds for the next one. So you, you, you just have to go see the next movie because you'll just appreciate it all the more. And then not too long ago, Avengers Endgame came out. That was the culmination of, I think it was phase three of their cinematic universe. And it was great to see. Each film, you knew they were just slowly building that story. Well, the big idea for today is God is faithfully executing his plan to set apart a people for himself. We're still in the big picture series where we're tracing the major storyline of the Bible. Last week we saw that God made a covenant with Abraham for whom he would make a great nation and whom all the nations would be blessed. Now immediately following their covenant uh, ratification ceremony, we're in Genesis 15, 13 through 15. So once again, Genesis 15, 13 through 15. This is immediately after uh, one of the passages Pastor Adam looked at last week. And here's what it says. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know this for certain. Your offspring will be foreigners in a land that does not belong to them. They will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. However, I will judge the nation they serve, and afterward they will go out with many possessions. But you will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. Now in the book of Exodus, we see Abraham's descendants continuing to multiply, just as God said they would. And they're in Egypt, and the Pharaoh is beginning to fear this rapidly growing 
foreign nation within their borders. So what he decides to do is to enslave the people. And at that point, years and years and years go by with the Israelites there in slavery and bondage. It was difficult and they were oppressed. The question is, has God forgotten his people? Has he forgotten his promise? Has he fallen asleep on the job? What will happen? So this brings us to the first of three passages we'll be walking through in Exodus. Starting with Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And we're going to read the first six verses, do a couple subpoints, and then uh, read the rest of it. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned? When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off of your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. My first point is God has not forgotten his people. We see right here in the text that God is revealing himself to Moses and through Moses to the Israelites. And we see the first thing that God is holy. Holy means to be set apart, distinct, uncommon, pure. The song of the angels in heaven is holy, holy, holy. In Hebrew poetry, they don't, uh, they don't rhyme. Instead, for emphasis, they will repeat something. So for God to be holy, 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 he is, that's the superlative. He is amazingly, he is the maximum holy you could be. This is who he has revealed himself to be with Moses. We also see that it references the angel of the Lord. So there could be a little bit of question here. Well, what's going on? We have this angel of the Lord. Is this God? Is this the angel of the Lord? But what we see here is, I mean, we know that angels are messengers. Angels talk about God in the third person. But here it says that God called out of the bush. It's holy ground, not because an angel was there but because the holy God of the universe is there revealing himself to Moses. We also see that God who's revealing himself is the one true unchanging and faithful God. This is the same God who made a 90-year-old woman and a 100-year-old man bear a child, their long-awaited child. This is the same God who kept Abraham from killing Isaac by providing a sacrifice for himself. 
This is the same God who sustained Jacob and his family through a severe drought. This God is dependable. He is unchanging. As Dave said in his prayer, he is immutable. He is always the same. You can count on him. Isn't that an encouragement to us today? Even though because our God is a holy God, we can trust him, depend on him, and we know exactly how he's going to behave in accordance with his character. He's not like a politician where depending on the day, depending on how they feel, depending on what they ate that morning, you may get a different response. He's not like us, (laughs) frankly. God is always the same. He's consistent and he is good. Continuing on in chapter 3, verses 7 through 12, Still in Exodus, it reads, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. We see very clearly in this passage that God cares for his people. It says that God saw their affliction, that he heard their cries, and he even knew their suffering. Now, this is the God who is sovereign. He knows everything We already saw in Genesis that he already had a plan for all of this. Yet God still had an emotional connection to his people and what they were going through. He's not unmoved by what is happening in our lives. God wasn't asleep at the wheel as his people were oppressed. He was watching and he had a plan to deliver his people. How sweet is it that the God of the universe cares for us and watches us? There are many people in this room who I know are going through various trials, various sufferings, whether it's uh, illness or uh, a lost family member who's just so close, but they don't love Christ. Grief. Unmet longings. Brothers and sisters, he sees your troubles. He knows you. He hears your prayers. He knows your suffering. He cares for you. Let me also encourage you to tell your troubles to the Lord. He heard their cries. Even though he knew it, he heard their cries. Call out to him. 
He cares for us. Cast your anxieties and cares on the Lord for he cares for you. We also see in this passage that it is God himself who will come down to deliver them to the promised land. God is engaged. He is involved. He is there. The only question is, how exactly is he going to do it? He's engaged. He's involved. He's there. But how is he going to do it? And I could almost imagine Moses at this point. He's like, yes, yes, this is great. Yes, you're going to come. You're going to deliver our people. Finally, we've been awaiting this. And then God says, I'm sending you. And Moses is like, hey, I am ill-equipped. I know you are holy and good, but I am ill-equipped for this task that you have given me. Who am I to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let this people go? But God says that he will be with Moses. He even told him of a sign that they'll be back on this mountain after they're freed. God is holy, set apart, different. Moses hid his face when God revealed himself to him. But this holy God is the same God who is near, who is close, who cares and promises to be with us. Brothers and sisters, this is what we should long for. This is what puts the wind in ourselves as Christians to know that he will never leave us or forsake us, right? That he is there. That Christ is with us even until the end of the age. The Christian life is a difficult life at times, though joy-filled. But to know that God cares for us and is with us all the way through is what we should just, we should shout, we should sing. We should be the most joyful people, even though we're sorrowful at times. Oh, that we would be a church marked by a desire for God, that we would long to see his face. Isn't that our ultimate hope, that we would see him face to face? Oh, that that would permeate through us, permeate through all of our conversations and discussions, that we would encourage each other and fan into flame a desire for God more and more. So now God has shown that he hasn't forgotten his people. And that he is ready to deliver his people. Yet when Moses goes to Pharaoh, Pharaoh says, I'm not letting them go. I'm strong. I'm mighty. I'm stubborn. No. Who is God to command me to do something? Even with plague after plague after plague, which affected all of the Egyptians. The Egyptians are saying, what is happening here, Pharaoh? What, let these people go, do something. Pharaoh continues. How will God overcome this stubborn king? Now we go to the second vignette in Exodus 12, verses 21 through 28. We see how God will deliver his people as promised. Exodus 12, 21 through 28. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourself according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin. 
and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did so, and the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. So here we see that God spared those who trusted him. Israel's trust was evident because they actually did what God said. They believed God that the firstborn in their houses would be spared if they put the blood on their door frames. It's not really something that necessarily makes sense in the here and now or what's going on or what would normally happen. But they believed God and they did it. The lamb died so that they could live. They killed a lamb, ate it, spread his blood on their doorframe. This sacrificed lamb showed their faith, and it also showed that they had a costly redemption. This is an enduring sign of God's faithfulness and power. It is something, the Passover, that was celebrated thousands of years later. To this day, even for non-religious Jews, many still practice Passover. And they go over the stories and what God did for his people. This is how Pharaoh relented, finally. Now, Egypt was a superpower. They were one of the great nations, maybe the greatest nation of their time. They were a strong nation with a powerful king. Pharaoh had already dug his heels in. And what it took finally for him to relent was this 10th plague that impacted every Egyptian household. The Egyptians were broken and fearful that all of them may die. And they finally let the Israelites go. So we also see here that no obstacle can stop God's plan to set apart his people. Do you ever get discouraged in your Christian walk? Do you ever feel maybe I'm stagnant? I'm not making the progress that I know I should make. I know I should have. Do you ever wonder whether your efforts to fight for holiness are in vain? Will I ever get better? Is it always going to be like this? Well, this reminds me of Philippians 1, verses 3 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart 
For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Brothers and sisters, as the Israelites did, as they clung to God's promise that God would deliver them, that God would get them through, even though there was this huge enemy, cling to God's promises here. Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection not only provided the the freedom from the penalty of sin, but it actually freed us from the power of sin. We do not have to sin like we once did. He has given us this ability. He is empowering us. And as we continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, we know it is God that works within us both to will and to do for his good pleasure. We should be encouraging one another. This is why it's, it's actually good to share your discouragements, to share your struggles, so that you can hear God's word and God's encouragement to you from another brother and sister who's going through the same thing, telling you, brother, keep fighting, keep going. The same thing has happened to me, but God has seen me through. Let's be a church more and more that just encourages one another to cling to God's promises. Now, God has delivered his people. Now he has to orient them to their new citizenship as his people. For the third and final story, let's turn to Exodus 19, verses 1 through 9. Moses went up the mountain to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to me. Now, if you will listen to me and carefully keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the people's. Although all the earth is mine, and you will be my kingdom of priests in my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. First, we see at the beginning of this passage that God is fulfilling his promise to Moses. They're actually back at the mountain, just as he said. He is with him. He was with Moses, and he will continue to be. God is faithful, and he is doing just as he said he would do. We also see that God delivered Israel first. He brought them out of Egypt and he had not already given them the law. He hadn't told them, hey, if you're obedient, I'll, I'll bring you out if you do these things. No, he brought them out with a strong and mighty hand. And then he said, I am the God that brought you out of Egypt. Here's how you are to live. 
we also see that obedience to God is essential to being a set-apart people. Now, thankfully, it says right here in this passage that Israel says, whatever you say, that will do. They've already said, we're going to do it. This is a fantastic wrap-up to the whole (laughs) storyline. The Israelites are going to follow God. They're going to do exactly what he says. But we know that that's not what happened. We know that as they continue on, actually, Moses goes back up on the mountain and almost immediately, they ask Aaron to make a golden calf for them and say that this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. Israel was not faithful. But we know that God still wants a witness to the watching world today. And the church is that witness. Here at RGBC, we are an outpost of heaven, showing what it looks like to be God's people living under God's rule. In 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. The local church is one of the means that God uses to help us to persevere, to help us to keep on in this race, and to ultimately spread his fame and his glory throughout this county and beyond. I encourage you to engage one another, specifically seeking to do each other's spiritual good, to see how you're doing, how you could be prayed for, how you could be encouraged that we might spur one another on. This will help us to walk in a manner worthy of Christ. So in conclusion, we see that God is faithful. God's plans cannot be thwarted. And just as God told Abraham generations earlier, he has done exactly what he said he would do. God brought Israel out of Egypt, and he was preparing them to be a light to the nations. While Israel tried to be that, they could not keep his covenant. While Israel faced a great enemy, we face an even bigger enemy, sin. And God has promised to deliver us. God is our deliverer, except that now, unlike with the blood of bulls and goats, He has purchased us with the very precious blood of his own son. God has a plan to save his people from the bondage of sin, and it came through Jesus. As God gathers all of Christ's followers from all time, it is done under a new and better covenant. Where we get new hearts, 
new desires, and a capacity to actually follow him. His precious blood cleanses us and releases us and helps us to follow him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there is nothing that is too hard for you. We are amazed at how how wise you are. That you would have this grand plan from before the foundations of the earth to not only make an earth and make people, but that they would fall and that you would redeem them. That you would bring them all the way home through the sacrifice of your son. Lord, help us be a people who are zealous for good works who are eager to experience your presence, who encourage each other on all the more as the day is approaching. Help us to respond appropriately to your holiness. Help us to embrace the goal of being holy, knowing that we are to be holy as you are holy. And ultimately, Lord, take us home. Open the eyes of those who are here who do not know you, who have not trusted you, who are not yet your people. Help them to see the bondage that sin has them in. That their efforts to try to break themselves out of sin are futile. They are not strong enough. Like Moses where he says, who am I? They have no power. They have no authority to defeat this enemy. Reveal to them their need for Christ. And have them desire him and turn to him in repentance and faith. Lord, bless our church. Help us more and more to adorn the gospel and to be a light in this dying world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.